Good morning for the Met Radio Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroixy, and debuting on the show, I've got cinematographer Jordan Martinez. How you doing? Great. Pleasure to be here. I know, I know, I know. I already feel like you're a friend in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. You are a cinematographer, right? Yes. All right. All right. So can you tell the listeners what does a cinematographer do? Because we hear that word a lot, a lot. I'm a cinematographer. I'm a cinematographer. But what's the real definition of a cinematographer? Oh, well, the cinematographer is also known as a director of photography, and it's somebody that you know, reports mainly to the director and executing his vision when it comes to anything cinematic. Uh, it's mainly used uh, as the head of the camera department, but it's really uh, the person that's in the charge of the overall uh, cinematic vision. And they use lights and cameras and camera movement to kind of help tell the story uh, of the director so to speak. And they're somebody that is artistic, but they're also technical. Um, You might see them on set uh, talking to people within the camera team, uh, the lighting team as well, uh, grip and electric, and they use these different departments, including production design, uh, to really sculpt something that is pleasing to the eye. Um, and then the director uh, kind of tells them what they want, you know, and they collaborate on different shots. And the director is really supposed to be kind of the you know master or director of, director of photography, so to speak, and and knowing how to communicate that vision all right and how did you get passionate about this in case listeners want to know what was the driving force to say you know what i really want to do this yes well i mean where to start um well really i actually started wanting to becoming a director ever since i was a child i watched scarface for the first time and i was about seven years old probably too young to be watching the movie (laughs) and uh i just did movie just connected to me the, the camera movements, uh, the storytelling, the acting, everything about that film, in my opinion, is flawless. You know, there's very few films that I could say that. Um, but at that age, I said, wow, this movie is perfect in every single way in conveying the story. You know, and I was only seven years old and I completely understood all the themes that were being told. And that's really when I decided I wanted to just tell stories in, in film. I didn't really know what a cinematographer exactly did, but I knew what the director did at that moment. And, you know, as I grew older, I loved the way films looked and understood, you know, try to understand lighting and try to understand these different aspects. So how, how does that shot happen? How do they make this shot? And I really was kind of a film you know kind of film buff you could say uh, my mom and dad both split when i was about one years old and it was something that they both you know they they didn't <laughs> they didn't spend any time together uh but they both had a huge passion uh for film so every time i was you know with my mother um we had some free time we loved watching movies and we'd go to the movies you know on a given day and you know see two three movies at the theater you know obviously we would kind of sneak into them and my dad was on the cutting edge of things and we'd see movies at 12 o'clock at night um anyways so it was a very early on it was a very big passion of mine something i always loved and it always kind of was a nostalgic thing um something that i would do with my family uh friends or whatever and uh yeah so anyway something i was very passionate from that young age uh, then I, I ended up joining the military when i was 17 i didn't really have any idea of how to get in the film business but i always knew that i was going to pursue 
it sometime in my life. I just didn't think it was the right decision uh, in my teenage years to try to pursue film. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to have some stories to tell, some life experience, you know, because it's kind of important to be a director and, and have some uh, life experiences. So I wanted to do that. I became a paratrooper, which is someone that jumps out of planes um, at 19. 19- years old and then 20 years old I went over to Afghanistan uh, Kandahar province Uh, I was there for about a year in a deployment and then I came back and I really kind of had a new perception on life I really wanted to pursue film at that point I had the kind of the was uh, the motivation to do that at that point and the confidence and so I slowly started transitioning into film met some veterans uh, that were also pursuing film and that were part of organizations I joined those organizations and networked, got some jobs, started going to Cal State Fullerton. And at that point, I had no formal education in the film. I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to write a screenplay. I didn't know how to shoot anything. Um, So, you know, the beginning, it was a little bit scary to be in charge of the camera. You know, I mean, you could screw a lot of things up. You can, you know, the F-stop, the ISO, the native ISO, all these technical terms and things that a cinematographer has to know, you know, pretty much the master of all those different technical departments. Um, So, yeah, I started getting my hands wet. I did some music videos. I worked for some artists and shooting some music videos here and there and just really got a lot of experience in uh you know, the whole filmmaking process at Cal State Fullerton. Yes, um, yes, and that's where your dad wanted you to go, right? No, that's actually USC. Uh, okay, so I went, sorry. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> no, so yeah, I, I went to yeah, Cal State Fullerton uh, out here in Southern California for my, my undergraduate. I went there for two years, uh, did two years at uh, Santa Ana College, and then, you know, got my BA there, filmmaking, and then I started working as a PA. So I started understanding the studio system, started, you know, networking, doing some background stuff, really low end type of jobs. I even did some stunts for a while, uh, whatever job I could get my hands on. And a lot of it was was low end uh, studio type of work. But I really understood kind of the lay of the land at that point and working for the studio. I got an opportunity to work for Grey's Anatomy, CSI, um, you know, really just just PAing and, and that kind of nature. But I got to talk to professional grips, professional camera people and really start to understand, OK, that that's where I want to be. You know, I want to be with the camera team. I want to be the director. You know, it really started like coming together, you know. So I went to USC. Uh, someone that was a producer on a show said you should go there. And they gave me a letter of recommendation. Sure enough, to my surprise, I got an USC master's uh, in cinematic arts. I went there from 2016 through 2019. And that's when uh, cinematography started really kicking off. Uh, that's when things really started coming together. I really got kind of an understanding of lighting and movement and getting more confident in it because it was something that was initially scary to me at first uh, only because you know like i said I am actually not a quote unquote hyper technical person. Uh, maybe to older generation people, they looked at me for technical stuff, like my dad at Thanksgivings, like, "Hey, how do you do this? How do you do that?" But I, it, it's not something that I um, naturally gravitate to. Um, but you don't have to be that technical these days um, to be a cinematographer, which is kind of nice. Uh, so it allows a lot more different types of creative people. You know, it does take some training. It does take some know how. You do have to put effort into 
into it, but you don't have to be hyper knowledgeable in, in the things that you used to. And there's, there's less ways to completely screw over a project back in the day when you had film and you needed to shoot something that was, you know, really, 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 uh, bright, you know, and dark or whatever. You needed to know the exact ASA, which is also known as ISO. And you had to order a certain role and, you know, you had to, you had to really know what the light meter did. And, you know, because you're shooting on film and you had to dial things in and you had to have a team and then you had to get the lighting exact, you know, very tight, very close to being perfect, you know, and you didn't potentially maybe didn't have a monitor, you know, it's just all these different things made, made filmmaking much, much more technical, much more difficult, much more dangerous, especially when it comes to the lights that can get hot, they can burn people, they can blind people. These are the things that you know that cinematographers deal with day in day out so there was a whole bunch more danger um you know before the digital era anyways so i went to usc i had the uh, i was fortunate enough to go and be taught by the the cinematographer of sons of anarchy um paul mailbaum he did the entire show of sons of anarchy and he was my cinematography teacher uh he was very much in and out of the school because he was so busy um but i had the opportunity to learn a lot of different things from him and uh he's, he's a very nice man um i'm very thankful to to have been in his his classes that's you know things started making more sense i started getting more uh you know confident in my ability to, to be behind me and the other thing that happened which i didn't expect was that going to school especially at usc you know that you need these cameras right <laughs> people are like oh it's not the camera it's the filmmaker well the the my opinion it, it's it's both. It's the tool and the person that knows how to use the tools, the right tools. And let's be honest, a really camera or a camera that does not compete with, you know, these big bad brands. Uh, there's, there's, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people would, would uh, agree to this statement. There's really three brands of cameras that dominate the film business, uh, like high end cinematography, and that's Sony, Red, Digital Cinema, and Airy. Uh, those three companies, uh, you know, one's in Japan, one's in the United States, and then one's in Germany. Uh, any professional film set, you're probably going to encounter those three brands, uh, and then you can also probably throw in at the indie level uh, black magic in there but anyways knowing how to use these tools is vital in my opinion and uh there i started to play around with these cameras and i realized that they were really difficult to sign out they made it not easy for you to get these cameras so i ended up buying my own cinema camera i started off with the ursa mini pro 4.6k uh the first second generation one and that camera taught me a lot about uh just how to to offer operate as a you know a professional camera operator you know all the accessories all that those things you know i've started playing around with different lenses and, and this and that and you know having your own equipment is really beneficial this era um you know unless you're going to start really from the bottom of the camera team uh you know like a second ac and you know, like back in the day, it was a loader. You used to load cameras and then move up to second AC. Unless you're going to start that route, um, if you're really just trying to do it as an indie filmmaker, it's really kind of important to own your own camera. And it, it just it just is that way, unfortunately. Um, 
you know, you don't have to start off with an Aria Alexa, but hey, start off with a Black Magic camera like I did, and you'll learn a lot. You'll learn, you know, the the current accessories and a lot of those accessories they make uh, for the high end guys too, you know, and they make it for the the low indie filmmaker that's a camera owner operator. So I learned a lot owning that camera. It taught me many different things, made me meet many different people, be self sufficient. You know, I didn't have to go ask uh, the school for anything. You know, I went there for four years, so you know, not all, not every single project I shot with that camera, but many, many of them I did. And I got gigs because people said, oh, hey, you own your own camera, you know, just come over here and work this and this and that. So I definitely don't regret that decision at all, uh, getting into an own, being an owner operator. Anyways, so um, I graduated 2019. I've walked out of I, I, the pandemic hit. I ended up actually doing thesis uh, as a director. And that was a that was a very hard experience. <laughs> I, I directed a war film called The Gatekeeper. Uh, you can watch it online. You go to my website, www.jordanmichaelmartinez.com. You can see the the thesis film, The Gatekeeper. Um, I'm very proud of that film. It took me a year to make. It it was uh, it was gut wrenching. It was something that was very difficult for for me to make personally, uh, economically. Uh, it challenged me in in every single way. It was uh, a harrowing experience, but it it was something that I felt like it was it fit what I wanted to do as a filmmaker, so to speak. Very dramatic, you know, action-packed type of filmmaking. The pandemic hit, and I started. You know, that's when I when it, when it all became very real. Um, it was a great time to graduate from from college, uh, right there at the at the beginning of the pandemic. And I, I also stopped being in the Army Reserves around that time, too. So I was completely 100% on my own uh, as far as financially speaking. And I needed to make money right away. So uh, pretty much I worked for a film production company that was military. And they did a lot of apparel. And I just, I just, they wanted me to just edit. And uh, they kind of sold me on, hey, you're going to shoot, you're going to edit. And, you know, the whole world is collapsing. It's a lockdown. I lived in Koreatown. LA. I lived there for for five years at that point and I lived in a little tiny studio and there's cockroaches and it was just uh you know I did whatever I could to to graduate and and uh I was living living pretty uh pretty low uh, below the radar there so anyways I was editing from home about six months into it I just said I can't do this anymore this is just a miserable job I quit uh and then I started getting picked up for camera jobs I I shot as a cinematographer at this uh one particular job uh, where I actually was on a helicopter and my black magic camera broke. Uh, oh, was wow. color. Yeah, so the camera is about $7,000 and, and it broke on that job. I was coming off the helicopter and they did a lot of crazy maneuvers where I was super dizzy. Uh, it's called Map of the Earth and then going low and up and high and low, you know, all these different maneuvers. And, you know, I was in the army. Um, I'm sort of used to some of that stuff, but I just, you know, I'm having this big camera and I actually accidentally hit the side of uh, the camera and it destroyed the camera. Uh-oh. Yeah, the LCD, it's attached to the camera CPU and it tapped the side and it just destroyed the sensor. I didn't realize it was that easy to destroy. So I was out of a camera and I ended up uh, months later, I ended up getting a red camera 
ended up getting a red monster. It was about six months later, so I had to rent cameras for a while. And that's when I really made a decision, okay, I'm going to be a cinematographer. Um, you know, I was, like I said, I was getting asked to do camera jobs. I was enjoying it. I knew what I was doing. I was confident in those jobs. And I really knew, you know, uh, a lot of different things. And so I said, okay, well, this is the, this is the path. You know, I'm not getting hired as a director out here. You know, it's the pandemic. You know, I did not come from a rich family. I can't wait for uh, work forever. And so, yeah, that's kind of what ended up happening. I, I was fortunate enough to get a really good deal on the Red Monstro at the time. It was brand new camera for $60,000. It was the flagship for Red. And there's only one camera that's uh, the predecessor to it at this point. So anyways, I bought that camera. I felt like I was, uh, you know, put pretty much the rest of my money into that camera. Had very little uh, money after I made that purchase. And then, yeah, things I started looking up. I started getting jobs here and there. You know, I tried to market myself on social media. I tried to, you know, get in front of as many different people as possible. Went to networking events, this and that. Tried to tell everybody I possibly could. So I got lots of experience. Um, you know, with, with the red, I had some, uh, before that point and I got even more experience. And then I started expanding my accessories. I started expanding, you know, my filters. I, I met a gentleman who was getting out of the business and he sold me about, Oh, I don't know, maybe $25,000 worth of accessories for $10,000. So I came up huge and he was only doing that because it was the pandemic and he was trying to get out of the, you know, the business, so to speak. So I bought all of his red accessories, all of his filters, his you know, the bags, the arms, the monitor, the batteries. So I just got pretty much hooked up. And that's what kicked off a lot of uh, opportunities. Yeah. Anyways, um, eventually I met um, a gentleman at the gym and he was wearing a ShareGrid shirt. And I said, hey, do you work at ShareGrid? And he said, yeah. And we just, from that moment, we ended up becoming really good friends. And we started hiring each other for jobs. And we worked uh, with Nickelodeon and music videos and things here and there and then eventually we decided hey let's start a company together and we got a grip truck lighting truck and he was very experienced in lighting much much more than I was much more and he taught me a lot even before we started the company about lighting he uh, he was a union grip so he really gave me an experience and, and knowledge that I was sort of lacking he kind of complimented the things that I was missing in my you know in my education so to speak grip lighting and setting up lights pretty much um and then we started the, that company called raiden productions about six months ago so we got a truck we dumped uh together between uh me and an, we have a silent partner as well who, who financed uh, a lot of things within the business probably about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars into the company and it's really just the truck, it's the lights, it's the grip hardware, the stands, you know, you name it, the lift gates, insurance. It's very expensive to um, own and operate a grip truck. Pro probably more than most cameras, for sure. A lot more dangerous, too. Uh, so anyways, very proud of that. So now I really have the, I have everything. I have the grip truck, have, um, you know, the camera package, you know, and then I have uh, the team. I have a crew that I've known for a long time, and we hire for bigger projects or this and that that we, we can't take on just me him and a couple other people so uh, we had an opportunity to work on stranger things not too long ago a promo for them and that director uh he 
we worked with him on Nickelodeon and he called, he really has a, he has more of a established relationship with a business, my business partner. And he asked him, Hey, uh, can you guys come over and do this promo for stranger things? So we did that about two or three months ago. It, it kind of broke up and we did, you know, one shoot one day and then three weeks later we did another shoot with them. Um, so yeah, things have been picking up. Uh, that one didn't require any actors cause you know, the strike was going on at that time or whatnot. And yeah. So now, uh, currently, I actually work as a cinematographer and photographer. Uh, I work four days a week for a company called Lockheed Martin. They're an aerospace company. They're one of the biggest in the world. Uh, they make fighter jets. And so I got that job and uh, pretty much I'm, gonna, I'm getting trained to go into fighter jets and shoot other fighter jets, uh, video, photography. And then the other three days of the week, I work as a freelancer. I work with my production company and we pick up jobs wherever we have. This week we have a coffee commercial coming up, um, you know, various other different types of projects as well. Uh, we kind of do a lot of more music videos, commercials, that type of nature at the moment, promos. But we hopefully in the near future will get asked to do more feature films and bigger and better projects all right all right so give a quick message what do you want to tell other cinematographers or anyone thinking about cinematography what do you want to tell them quick quickly yeah the one thing i would tell uh, maybe up and coming cinematographers is that uh you know lighting is also very important it's very easy to buy a camera it's a lot harder to buy lighting and a grip truck trust me it's uh it's a huge array of knowledge uh to get that kind of uh education and and know-how but it's very important as a cinematographer to not forget about lighting um anybody can press a, a record button and get the correct focal and and know about great lenses and you can do a lot without lighting in certain certain areas especially outdoor but you really need to know about lighting and you don't have to buy all the lights and whatnot but you really should know how to use them and they're pretty easy to use these days um i would also say working out is actually very important if you're going to be an owner operator um you know this stuff is heavy and a lot of clients are going to expect you to hold the camera and in my philosophy which is different than other people's i do think it's the tool that is important uh, you need to know how to use the tools you need to know how to be good with the tools and you need to have, know how to operate the tools um this is if you want to be an owner operator now if you don't want to do that you, you want to go in the studio system and you want to do it that particular route that's fine too and you want to work from the bottom and you want to be a second ac and you want to go all the way to the top and this and that um different strokes for different folks i think you can do a lot with very little amount of people uh me and my my uh, you really uh, you also need to network you need to know other people you can't do every shoot by yourself uh so you really want to make friends with people that are good at this profession and you have to make sure you develop those relationships well and treat those people good and learn from them and realize that you know hey maybe i need to <laughs> maybe i need to expand my network a bit and expand my knowledge and listen and, you know, there's people that may not know as much about camera, but they know a lot more about lighting. And, you know, you need to respect their craft and respect their skill set. Think about when you're talking to clients. Uh, OK, cool. I'm going to I'm going to introduce lighting into this. A lot of people that are low on the, you know, as far as like the indie and, and they don't want to do these big productions and they don't want, you know, lighting kind of scares them. Um, it really does, because it's it's a lot of, sh you know, it, to be honest, you know, you bring in a freaking truck. 
<laughs> you're bringing people, you know, people could get hurt. Uh, things could fall over, you know, things get scratched. But that's the proper way to do things. So instead of trying to just skirt around that, it's better to embrace it um maybe invest in a couple lights um you know you don't have to own a whole grip truck and have an investor and all this other crazy stuff um and you don't have to have the best camera you know but you need to do research and figure out okay what's the best camera for my price range what's the best lens for my price range you know um how can I can I pull focus now? Or you know, one thing I would recommend is these cameras have really good autofocus. I know a lot of cinematographers in LA that are are leaning towards the Red Komodo, and um, it's a fantastic camera. I recommend it to anybody. Its autofocus features are spectacular. It's, frankly, it's pretty cutting edge. Um, I think that's the way the, the industry is going. Um, you know, because back in the day, you used to have to have a first AC. Okay, I have to have someone pull focus for me. I have to have someone do all this stuff, and then that that that's another three five hundred bucks to a client mm -hmm. you know and that's not something they may want to spend so you know knowing how to use all these tools could then secure you the client faster better and ultimately allow you to make a living in this job that's extremely competitive um also be active on social media don't neglect that you need to you need to be able to get followers um and people do it in different avenues they a lot of people buy followers or you need to be able to use the network you have on social media to convey that you are a professional and that you have the ability to give clients uh, what they want. All right. So, okay. Throw yeah. out your website, please. Your social media platforms in case other cinematographers have any questions. Yeah. Reach out to me anytime. Um, my Instagram handle is Jordan underscore Michael underscore Martinez. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Jordan Michael Martinez. And then my website is www.jordanmichaelmartinez.com. And then I also have my business uh, platform is www.raidinproductions.com. Uh, you can reach me on any of those various uh, platforms. All right. All right. Five second things you want to say to the listeners in closing. Um, never give up. Never give up. Keep learning. And uh, yeah, keep being creative. All right. All right. For Matt Radio, 1280 AM, I am Donovan LaRoxy. I would love to thank Cinematographer. You can throw out your name again. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jordan Martinez signing off. Y'all have a good one. Thank you so much. And thank you to the listeners for listening to this episode.